You're listening to the Homegrown Faith Podcast. I'm Joe Clark, and I'm chatting with my fellow pastor and friend, Richard Sweatman, about God, the Bible, and life lived growing our faith in Jesus. This podcast is coming to you from Hunter Bible Church in Newcastle. Joe Clark, good afternoon. It is great to be chatting with you again today. <laughs> and you, Richard Sweatman, how have you been? Oh, pretty good. Pretty good. I thought I would share an interesting thing that I came across yesterday. Uh, now... My oldest son is, he's now turned 18. And uh, when we think 18, we think, uh, you know, license and uh, being able to drink and all that sort of thing. But um, what it has opened up for him is the world of Facebook Marketplace. <laughs> Have we talked about this, my son on Marketplace yet on the podcast? No, I am interested though. Being a Marketplace, place, you know, occasional user, that's, yes. I'm excited for Alex. Uh, I thought you would be. Yes, I have yeah. no interest in marketplace. I've heard I've used it here and then, but I find it not fun and painful. But um, he's having a great time, uh, and I'll I'll tell the other stories later. But um, uh, what I found recently is that um, he's been selling off some old Lego. Now I expect many of our listeners will be very interested in those uh, in the, in that phrase, selling off for Lego. You you've probably got heaps at home, and so what he's um, um, Apparently, there's an there's audience out there, there's a market, people want to buy Lego. And so he's selling some old um, Imperial fighter thing, quite a big thing, yeah. for like $350. And he believes, I know. Um, so he's posted that up there. And then I was, you know, just getting my head around that. And he said that the he's got a buyer interested in a minifigure. You know what a minifigure is, right? Yeah, like a little person thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there's a particular Star Wars minifigure that Alex thinks he has that he could sell for sixty dollars. What? I know it's a uh, it's a it's a, a Jango Fett, I think, uh, from a particular model. And uh, the the hilarious thing is, like when we packed up a bit of Lego recently, we put all the minifigures in a in a box, you know, just chucked them yeah. in there. And uh, um, he's managed to find pretty much all of the figure because they got separated, bodies and parts and legs and things except he's missing the head, the face. He can't get quite <laughs> find the face. And there's a particular expression with the eyebrows and all that sort of thing. And obviously, you know, layer collectors, they want, it's got to be the right head. And yes. So to get the yeah. 60 bucks, it's got to actually be whatever his name is. He's got to find this head and it's, it could be 60 bucks. And so, um, uh, and we're happy for him to keep the money. Like it's his Lego or, or, you know, he's the one going to the trouble with all this sort of thing. Yeah. So, um, I would say to the parents out there, if you've got Lego sets, <laughs> try <laughs> Capitalize. and together. Uh, <laughs> it's possible that when your children turn 18, they could sell them on Marketplace and um, yeah, yeah, go towards the cost of their, their first car. This is a massive coincidence, but I actually know all about Lego on Marketplace. Do you, know, do you want me to really? tell you why? Yeah. No. There are two things that come up on my feed, both of which I don't want to buy, which is wedding dresses and Lego. Because at some point I saw a wedding dress and I was like, oh, interesting. That's a nice design. Clicked on it. Not getting married anytime soon, but now it's all in my feed. But the other thing was Lego because I've got kids coming over and I thought having some Lego would be great. Yeah. So anyway, now I I actually have been getting into working out how much Star Wars Lego is worth. <laughs> And I clicked on this one guy because I couldn't help it. It had like, you know, when the price is one, two, three, four, five, six, and you're like, whoa, what's going on there? Yeah. This guy had, I kid you not, rooms of Lego, Star Wars Lego, just Star Wars Lego. 
And then it said, click on this link to see my Brickworks profile or something. Wow. And if you go further into this whole buying and selling Lego, there's this whole other platform, which is just for buying and selling Lego. And you could flip through and each little minifigure was worth a certain amount of money. And at that point, I was like, well, I just have no idea what's going on. I'm out. But I suspect Alex could really be gaming the system. Like he could be making some good money. There is yeah. there is money in Star Wars Lego. He might come up on your on your um on your post. Feed. Yes. Well, he is um, nearby, so you know it could yeah. come up. <laughs> so see what happens. Yeah, excellent. But that's uh, my story. Maybe more uh, yeah market price stories to come. Uh, uh, how about you? What's been going on? For well, you? I've read a book, and it's not a Christian book. So I thought I'd talk about it in in this little moment. It's called The Happiest Man on Earth. Have you read it by Eddie Jaku? I think I've heard of it. You've heard of it. I haven't read it. So it's an uh, a, a bio, autobiography um, by a, ma- a gentleman who turned 100 while he was living in Australia. He was born in 1920. Right. He was a German first and a Jew second is what how he described right. himself. And he had quite a privileged upbringing with a loving family um, and provided for education, etc. And then as the, um, the Nazism increased in Germany, he's, his life changed radically. He ended up being kicked out of school and then with a fake ID, he ended up moving to another town while he was still a very young man, boy, I think in his early teens, to get a, a trade, a, a skilled trade. And then um, on the night of Kristallnacht, he got taken by stormtroopers out of his bed and put into a concentration camp in Buchenwald in Germany. And so what follows is this quite um, captivating story because even the circumstances of him being in his bed, he he was away in this other town and happened to come home on the night of Kristallnacht. Anyway, he ends up in Auschwitz and, and, and he tells his story and you cannot help but be gripped by it. But the most amazing thing is that he his view on on his life And he finishes, one of the most significant quotes from the book was this, kindness is the greatest wealth of all. Small acts of kindness last longer than a lifetime. This lesson that kindness and generosity and faith in your fellow man are more important than money is the first and greatest lesson my father ever taught me. And this is the way he will always be with us and always live forever. And so he he talks about in spite of the Holocaust, his response was to try to be kind um, to make a life in Australia and to mm. get on with not, keeping alive the story. So he was um, instrumental in the Sydney Jewish Museum, et cetera, did a TED Talk. I think he was nominated for an OAM. But yeah. it really got me thinking because as a Christian, I actually don't agree with him. It, kindness isn't the greatest wealth of all. Um, the relationship with God through his mercy is the greatest wealth of all. But I have a lot of respect for, for how he shared his story about um, this great atrocity that was committed against the Jewish people, him being one. Mm. And so I found it one of those books you read and that it, um, it gets you thinking about um, the life of a person, a life you won't ever have to leave probably. Yeah. And yeah. Um, I found it very interesting and um, I was thankful for, he, for him taking his time to write the story down, but also pushed me to grace and made me think, God wants us to be kind, but actually kindness isn't the greatest wealth. Um, God's yeah. mercy is the greatest wealth. Yeah. And so, yeah, it was well, a good book. I, I recommend. It's it's a very digestible. It's um I, I listened to it as an audiobook and I found it it's not it's not um it's hard, but it's not um gory in the way that some second world 
more biographies are. Yeah. Oh, no, that's fantastic, Joe. I think you're just illustrating there the value of uh, reading and reading biography is mm. um, yeah, just expanding out um, your knowledge of, of humanity and mm. what the world is like and mm. I think probably deepening your well, deepening your empathy. Mm. Um, I would hope so. Through, I think. Yeah. Mm. I was curious to also, I'm always, when I hear the stories of Jewish people, I'm curious to hear the echoes of the Old Testament law coming through in their, their morality, because whether they are um, religiously Jewish or culturally Jewish or both, yeah. um, I just, I like, I, I think God's law is good and this, this has shaped their lives. And so I was listening for that and quite enjoyed hearing echoes of parts of what he his life was like in there. So yeah, yeah, yeah that's a good insight. Um, his his observations are not wouldn't could not be isolated, to yeah, cut off um, entirely independent of uh, the law or whatever mm. he's taught in the the synagogues and growing up. That's exactly right. In his family, yeah, yeah. We're, we're all shaped by that. Yeah. Anyway, but I've also been reading Exodus. Yes. So, um, What's, what yeah. Have you been reading that? Well, I've I've been digging into Exodus um, for some st- for stuff for church, and so I got into Exodus six, and I came across this paragraph that has is so rich in doctrine that I couldn't help but talk about it. So Exodus six verse two, it says, I'll read it. God also said to Moses, "I'm the Lord. I appeared to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob as God Almighty, but by my name, the Lord, I did not make myself fully known to them." I also established my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan, where they resided as foreigners. Moreover, I've heard the groaning of the Israelites, whom the Egyptians are enslaving, and I remembered my co- I have remembered my covenant. Um, so just as a starting point, like God is shown to be a merciful God who remembers his covenant. But aside from that, all these other doctrines are so rich. The doctrine of God's revelation, that he re- he's makes himself, he doesn't make himself fully known. Um but he also told them his name, which is his character and who he is. So he has revealed himself. A, a nature of his, how he does that um, is his appearing. And then things like his, his making a covenant, which I think is just so merciful that he would establish a covenant, but also his sovereignty over um, that he was going to give them the land and that he could make that promise. Then the um, the identity of the people being foreigners, so things not going yet according to plan, but God seeing the plan fulfilled because he will bring them back out of the foreign, being foreigners. And then finally, he's heard the groaning, like God listens and hears his people, he's attentive. Um, And then the idea of the brokenness of the world, like the doctrine of sin is in there as well, because the Egyptians are enslaving God's people. And um, yeah, yeah, God addresses that. He remembers his covenant. And It's just it's just such a rich paragraph, and I'm so thankful for it. it. Made me think so much about who God is. There is so much going on. Yeah, like you say, you've 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 um, listed that out so well and brought it together. Um, mm-hmm. It raises questions, gets us thinking. Yeah, yeah, what what do you think it means that he did not make himself known to to Abraham yes. by that by that uh, by that name Yahweh the Lord? Yeah, because I've, I my question went to. If you know the Lord's name, don't you know him? Like that isn't that enough? Um, my mind went to, and I don't know if this is correct because I didn't actually follow this through. So I'm just talking off the top of my head right now. Um, my my mind went to the mystery um, that's talked about in the New Testament being revealed. That is 
Christ being merciful through Jesus and yeah. um, all things being brought under Jesus' headship. So my my sense is that you don't fully know God like you do in the New Testament, in the Old Testament times. Yeah, but yeah. that was that's as far as I got. Where, what do you think? Yeah, I think that's helpful. I think this introduces us to the idea that God's revelation of himself um, increases over mm-hmm. the Old Testament story, the Bible story. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. There's that obviously the moment when um, he's n- made known through Christ, and um, mm-hmm. uh, that uh, the mystery of the gospel, the Gentiles and Jews together, Ephesians two kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, yeah, way back here, even there's a, there's a, a sense of um, knowing God more and more deeply um, mm-hmm. from mm-hmm. Abraham through to Moses. Mm-hmm. Um, so that not that Abraham had a false knowledge of God, but had no. a, a more contained. Yeah, limited yeah. Um, knowledge of God. Yeah. And it, any knowledge of God is a blessing. And so Abraham was blessed to know God because God chose to know him and reveal yeah. himself to Abraham. Yeah. And so we can't say, oh, God, Abraham doesn't know God as much, so he's less blessed. No, no, any knowledge of God is a blessing. But it seems like, yeah, yeah, you're right. I like your comment, the idea that um, – you emerging, you know more and more as God chooses to share more and more of Himself. We know Him through the Scriptures, but the people in the time knew Him by Him revealing Himself more over time. Yeah, mm. yeah. So we're living, uh, yeah, we're living in an age of great privilege now that we know mm. Christ. Uh, Christ has made yeah. the Father known. Um, yeah, call out to Him as Abba Father. So um, mm. yeah, not mm. not just yeah, like the new name, not not just Yahweh, but um, yeah, Father. So yeah, yeah we're Great privilege. Yeah, and that, that John, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So that yeah. the idea that like Jesus we we see so much of Jesus in the in the gospels and all of that bolsters and shows it shows us the Father and shows yeah, us God. Yeah. So mm. yeah. and of course the Spirit illumining our hearts and minds. Oh, it's good so stuff. Much. So much. Mm. It's great. Mm. I just I, I think I wasn't expecting it. You know, I was expecting to get to the plagues. I was like, here we go, plagues, Pharaoh. <laughs> God hardening Pharaoh's heart. That's what I'm going to see. And instead, this was this burst into my mind. So yeah. yeah. Anyway, word of the Lord is uh, living and active, Joe. Yeah. <laughs> what about you, mate? What have you been reading? Well, a little bit more on that book we mentioned a couple of weeks ago, "The Whole Christ" by yeah. Lev Ferguson. Yeah. Uh, yes. And um, I've read the chapters on legalism, the chapters on antinomianism. Um, a few more words I haven't known. Had to look up that sort of thing, but um, just. Towards the end of the book, now getting on to the themes of assurance, and uh, he's raised a few ideas that I hadn't thought about before um, that are helpful and thought I would share. So, mm. the question of assurance—it's um, uh, going back into Puritan thinking and Reformed history about, and about—is um, assurance when we talk about assurance, knowing that you're saved—is that the—is that about the, like at the moment of faith? You have faith, you have assurance um, because you're trusting in Jesus. I'm saved. Is that assurance, or is there a secondary thing, which is our experience um, of mm. being assured? We have faith, but yes, we can wrestle and grow in assurance. And so, mm. I hadn't thought about those two things before. Um, and uh, I think it, the chapter's been helpful to say that um, yes, faith is a great moment of assurance because in the moment of faith, you're saying, "I trust Jesus to save me," and I'm because of who Jesus is and what he's done, I can have absolute confidence in Christ. I can totally trust that. 
Uh, but it is legitimate to say that there's a an experience where um, our faith, um, yeah, maybe not necessarily in, in Jesus, but in our own our fa- our our confidence in our own faith is can be shaken and is something to wrestle with, mm-hmm. um, and something to grow in and um, foster and uh, you know one step forward, two steps back sort of thing. Uh, mm. And so. Um, the author Sinclair Ferguson has interacted with this um, Scottish controversy that we mentioned, but also yes. uh, in the words of Calvin, um, the writings of Calvin from uh, the 1540s, much earlier. And a, a helpful quote, I was reminded again just how, how pastoral Calvin is in his writing. Um, a little quote here, uh, he where Calvin from the Institutes where Calvin writes, um, we cannot imagine any certainty that is not tinged with doubt or any assurance that is not assailed by some anxiety. Believers are in perpetual conflict with their own unbelief. He who, struggling with his own weakness, presses toward faith in his moments of anxiety is already in large part victorious. In order to understand this, it's necessary to return to that division of flesh and spirit which we have mentioned elsewhere. Uh, and he goes on to talk about a bit like you know, living in, the, in this age when the flesh is still around, the spirit is at work. But, so there's that eschatological tension, I think. But... Um, Great little line there. Whoever is presses towards faith in his moments of anxiety is already in a large part victorious. Mm. I think that's a very kind and comforting word. Yeah. Mm. Whoa. <laughs> I was coming with you and I was like, yep, yep, yep. And then, uh, uh, yeah, that is, I'm just still digesting it. But that is encouraging to wrestle with the idea of assurance because it, it's a word we can sometimes, I can hear what he's saying. He's drawing apart two different ideas of assurance, I guess. Is that right? Is that have I understood right? Yeah, yeah. Um, there's a distinction between technically faith, hundred percent assurance in Christ, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. then there's the human experience where it's it's not that simple. <laughs> I know. Uh, yeah. So I mean, yeah, I'm looking forward to the further chapters on assurance and um, yeah. helping people. Yeah, with the very pastoral, obviously helping people think. Um, yeah, how can um, how can I know that I'm saved or one of God's people, yeah. but um, yeah. a per- perpetual, um, yeah, significant, pastoral, meaningful kind of thing. That sounds like fruitful reading. <laughs> Very, and enjoyable, <laughs> yes. But we are going to time, Joe. Um, a yeah. whole message we'd love to leave people. Um, we're really thankful for some uh, words of encouragement we've received over the last yeah. week. Yeah. I've heard yeah. from, um, uh, from Phil and Sarah, who've shared how some of what uh, we've been talking about here has been an encouragement to them. Um the idea of two adult normal Christians talking about God or, um, yeah, just uh, reflections on the Bible, getting stuff from the Bible in our ordinary Bible times. So um, thank you for those words of encouragement. Yeah, and thanks to Beck for your text for encouragement of that we talk, us talking about the Bible encourages you to get into the Bible. And that is what we want, isn't it, Uh, mate? We just want to see people loving Jesus and getting into his word and talking about that with other people. So thanks for your encouragement, friends. (laughs) <laughs> yeah so uh that's all for now joe uh we'll um, chat again next week sounds good all right see ya bye